The following audio is from All Saints Church. For more information about the church, please visit our website at allsaintsgb.org. I saw the Lord standing beside the altar, and he said, Strike the capitals until the thresholds shake, and shatter them on the heads of all the people. And those who are left of them I will kill with the sword. Not one of them shall flee away. Not one of them shall escape. If they dig into Sheol, from there my hand take them. If they climb up to heaven, from there I will bring them down. If they hide themselves on top of Carmel, from there I will search them out and take them. And if they hide from my sight at the bottom of the sea, there I will command the serpent and it shall bite them. And if they go into captivity before their enemies... There I will command the sword, and it shall kill them. And I will fix my eyes upon them for evil and not for good. The Lord God of hosts, he who touches the earth and it melts, and all who dwell in it mourn, and all of it rises like the Nile and sinks again like the Nile of Egypt, who builds his upper chambers in the heavens and founds his vault upon the earth, who calls for the waters of the sea and pours them out upon the surface of the earth. The Lord is his name. Are you not like the Cushites to me, O people of Israel, declares the Lord? Did I not bring up Israel from the land of Egypt and the Philistines from Kaphtor and the Syrians from Kir? Behold, the eyes of the Lord God are upon the sinful kingdom, and I will destroy it from the surface of the ground, except... That I will not utterly destroy the house of Jacob, declares the Lord. For behold, I will command and shake the house of Israel among all the nations as one shakes with a sieve, but no pebble shall fall to the earth. All the sinners of my people shall die by the sword, who say disaster shall not overtake or meet us. God, we thank you for your word, the story of your grace. I wanted to begin this morning with a quote about hiding. It says this, Hide nothing, for time which sees all and hears all exposes all. Hide nothing, for time which sees all and hears all exposes all. Hiding. Hiding is a daily practice for us. Isn't it? We hide our feelings, what we really feel. We hide our fears, what we're really afraid of. And we even hide our failures. We hide what we've done wrong. Why do we hide? What makes us want to hide? We hide because of shame. Shame, that experience that says at the core of us how bad we really are. It's a terrible and terrifying experience, shame is. And no one wants to experience that, so we hide from it. When does hiding begin for us as human beings? Well, it begins early as far as I know and I can remember because I remember the strange phenomenon which would occur in our kids when they were potty training. When they had to do the do, when they had to do the number two, what would happen? They would suddenly and mysteriously disappear from view. Do you remember this, parents? They would just go and hide. 
Something was going to be coming out of them that was shameful, that was bad, that was foul-smelling and needed cleaning up. And so their brain would convince them that the best option to deal with the stink of this shame was to go and to hide somewhere. It's fascinating when you watch kids do this. But where does our hiding go from there? We become more skilled as it, the old, at it the older we get. Maybe you've seen the videos of parents who set up a little phone camera at the table and put their child in front of the camera along with a handful of enticing M&Ms. And they say to the child, I'll be back in a little bit. Don't eat the M&Ms. But if you can wait till I get back, the M&Ms are yours. Mom leaves. The camera doesn't. And you watch the child start this pattern of hiding by sort of looking around. Does anyone see me? Does mom, can she see me? And then they start just in their temptation, just subtly touching the M&Ms, rolling them around in their hand. And they, they look around again. And then not long after, very quickly and carefully, and hiddenly pop one in their mouth. And then another, and then another, and then another. And then the whole stack is gone. It is a candid look into our sin nature, believing that because we can't be seen, our parent will never know what we're doing. We'll never be found out. Even more sad is the hiding that happens when mom comes back. The whole stack might be gone, and mom would ask, what did you do with the M&M's? Did you eat the M&M's? And the child will stake their life on innocence. They'll blame the dog. They'll look confused. They'll look away. They'll even shake their head. No, it wasn't me. What does this hiding then look like for us as adults? It's more refined, but it's still remarkably similar. We run when someone seeks us. We run and hide. How are you doing this morning? I'm fine. I'm good. The book of Amos. In fact, any prophecy found in the scriptures is God's seeking the hiding. God seeks, we hide. And in the book of Amos, the people of Israel have been hiding from their sin in the worst, worst possible way. How have they been hiding? They've been hiding through religion. And they've taken what God's put in front of them, M&Ms, if you will, mercy and mercy and mercy, and they have hoarded God's mercy for themselves. They have stolen from the poor. They have abused the helpless they have hoarded all the food while others are starving. And they've done it all the while putting on a show of religious devotion. Believing all the while that the camera of God's eye is not recording every move they're making. And as we've been going through the fall through the book of Amos, this shepherd farmer has turned prophet. And he's like the human form of that parent coming back. And he begins by having Israel watch the film of every other nation's hidden sin. 
at the beginning of the book of Amos, that's what he does. Shows everyone else's hidden camera footage so that Israel would nod in the desire that God needs to judge them for all of this sin that's been exposed. And then while they're in mid-nod, he would open the file titled Israel's Hidden Camera and play for them the scenes of their own sin. Amos depicts scenes of these people, Israel, who have been shown mercy, stepping on a homeless man's face on the way to worship. Women who are barking out orders to the widow who has four kids to clean up their spilled wine and make it quick and get me another drink now. Scenes of the religious leaders sleeping with the help in order to ask their make-believe God of fertility or thunder to keep their crops growing or keep their enemies away. These horrible scenes that have been depicted in Amos of a people's sin and a people's belief they could hide from God. Amos and the Lord was seeking them that they would see their shame and run to him, come out of hiding. But instead, what do they do? Their hard hearts double down. And in the middle of Amos's awful visions of God's coming justice and judgment, as locusts devour the crops, as fire sweeps over the land, as a wrecking ball knocks over the walls of their city, they continue to hide They continue to refuse to admit they were wrong. Nope, didn't eat the M&Ms. They refuse to turn to the God who's seeking them to find mercy. And in their hiding and in their refusal comes this last vision in Amos 9. The final judgment of God. We're in the end. Where in the end, as you see in Amos 9, there will be nowhere left to hide from God and his holy heat. None of us will be able to escape or hide from the judgment of God. There is nowhere to hide. Where will you go, friends, when the earth shakes like this passage says with his coming back? What will you say when he says, I've seen everything you've done? Who could possibly protect you from a God from whom you cannot hide? Friends, the only place to hide from a holy God is under the mercy of a crucified God. The only place to hide from a holy God is under the mercy of a crucified God. These passages of judgment, and if you're visiting with us, you're like, what in the world? We're walking into something that looks really significant and really serious. These passages of judgment, it's easy to see God's justice. Whoa. It's much harder in these passages, friends, to see God's mercy. But today, in this passage of God's divine justice, there is a hidden mercy. There is a place to hide in this passage. Three places I wanted to highlight in this passage where we can hide. First, hiding in the mercy of an altar. Second, hiding in the mercy of a name. And finally, hiding in the mercy of a death. First, hiding under the mercy of an altar. 
This final vision that Amos is given is of the Lord standing where? Where is he standing at the beginning of the passage in verse 1? By an altar. What was an altar used for, Israel? Church? It was the place for Israel to go to admit their guilt. And it was a place where God would promise forgiveness is coming. A pure, living creature was cut open to bleed. And that blood sprinkled on that altar. Because there's no forgiveness of sins without the shedding of blood and the destruction of flesh. God's anger over sin would be calmed by the pleasing smell of a burnt offering, of a sacrifice. This is where the Lord is standing in this vision. By an altar. But friends, it's no longer God's altar. It's been replaced in Israel by this temple in Bethel, this place of false worship, where the people have made up their own ways of worship, where they're not sacrificing animals anymore to Yahweh, the God who made them. They're sacrificing to the God of thunder, to the God of rain, to the God of fertility. And the mercy of God has been replaced with the imagination of the people. And friends, hear this. There is no mercy outside of God's mercy. There is no mercy outside of God's mercy because there is no other God who is sinned against but him. God's judgment in this awful depiction in verses 1 to 4 is fair. It's a pursuit. He will mercilessly pursue those who hide anywhere but in him. Look at what happens. He speaks and the earth quakes. He hits the support beams of the temple and it crushes anyone within. And then there's those that run, but they cannot hide. The sword that demands justice for any uncovered sin will slay the people. Look at this pursuit in verses 2 to 4. Verse 2, they try to bury themselves in the ground, in Sheol, in the ground of their deadly sin. But his sword digs them out. They will raise themselves up in looking like really religious people up in the heavens. But his sword will cut them down. They will hide themselves on the top of Carmel. These false God places of their cozy comforts, their godlike control, their human approval ratings. And his sword will shred to pieces what they're covering up in. They will even swim to the depths of the ocean as far down from the conviction of God. But as they're underwater or as they're under headphones or as they're under the influence of anything else, the sting of his sword will still find them and sting them. And in verse four, they'll even try to blend in and look like the rest of the world. But his sword will still find them and rest its blade at their neck, demanding blood for their sin. Friends, there is nowhere to hide except under God's appointed altar of mercy. 
Alan Funt was the creator of the show Candid Camera. Does anyone remember Candid Camera? Smile, you're on Candid Camera. It was actually the first reality television show, really. It was the first hidden camera show that set up really uncomfortable scenarios and had these hidden cameras to watch how ordinary people would respond to these extraordinary circumstances. And Alan Funt created the show and made millions upon watching other people squirm behind his hidden camera. But it came back to bite Alan Funt. When at the height of his career, he couldn't hide behind his camera anymore. He was on a plane trip that was heading across the country. And on that plane, a hijacker stormed the center aisle of the plane with a blade across a flight attendant's neck, demanding that the plane land in Cuba or everyone dies. And the people in the plane were terrified completely terrified, just sitting there in panic. We're all going to die. And one passenger's fear turned into laughter as he turned around and looked and saw Alan Funt sitting there. And he said, we're on candid camera. And they start laughing and joking around and the people are all relaxing and joking up. And Funt is sitting there going, no, this is real. This is life and death. This is not a setup for you. Friends, the book of Amos is pleading with you. This is not pretend God right here. This is real. Tear down those places, those altars of false religion and false security. The judgment of God is real. His sword will find you in whatever false reality that you're hiding in. If I sent you a note that was anonymous and it went in your mailbox and it said, you will be found out, what comes to mind? If something comes to mind of what will be found out, stop hiding. Because the Lord sets his eyes against anyone who sinned against him and not hidden themselves under his altar of forgiveness. When you see what's been found out by God, hide yourself under his altar, the cross, the blood, the body. Hide yourself there under that altar. Second, hide under the mercy of his name. Verses 5 and 6 in this passage come kind of strangely. Out of nowhere, there's these verses about who God is. They're a doxology. And what's a doxology? It's what we sing every service at the end of our service. It's a song of praise to who God is. But this song, verses 5 and 6, this doxology is not a ballad. It's more like the 1812 overture. For those of you who don't know the 1812 Overture, it was Tchaikovsky's impressive work that marked Russia's victory over Napoleon's attempt to invade their country. And if you know the sound of it, if you ever heard it live, at the end, actual live cannons are used. Bum, 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 boom. That's what verses 5 and 6 are intended to do. They're supposed to put us in our place. The Lord God of hosts, bum, 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 an expression used throughout Amos to describe the general of the heavenly armies. 
He's the one who touches the earth and it shakes. Boom. So that tsunamis rise up. Boom. And no Tesla can outrun its path of waters. Boom. He is above all of this disaster. He sits in the heavens watching it. Boom. He lives freely outside of the atmosphere. Boom. Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk, the two most powerful men in the world. Guess what? When they go up into space, they have to wear oxygen masks. They're not that big a guy's. But the Lord sits well above that. He is the most powerful person in all the universe. Boom. And it ends, this doxology ends with the Lord is his name. The God who was, who is, and who is to come. That quote that I quoted at the beginning was wrong in saying that time is what sees all, hears all, and exposes all. No. Verses 5 and 6 tells us. Hide nothing, for Yahweh, the Lord God of hosts, sees all, hears all, exposes all. Boom. We must hear the booms of his powerful name today and not be hard-hearted or hide anymore. The boom of his name should cause us to get low, to get on our knees, to get on our face, to humble ourselves and plead the mercy of such a powerful force as the Lord. Because at the name of Jesus, the name above every name, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Everyone will confess that. There is no other name under heaven where we can be saved but through his name. So when you hear the cannons burst, boom, call upon the name of the one who made heaven and earth. Jesus is coming with a sword in his mouth, scripture says. He's going to expose all the hidden places of your life with his sword. What has the power to make right your sin? His name. The name of Jesus. Only Jesus. Friends, I don't know if you've been struggling with a pattern of sin in your life where you're so frustrated and you hear the accusation of the enemy saying, you are a sinner. You deserve to die for what you do. What do you do with that? What do you do with those booms? Listen to Luther. Give us a response when those booms come. When the devil throws up our sins at us, And declares that we deserve death and hell. We ought to speak this. I admit, I do deserve death and hell. What of it? I am a sinner, but Christ died for sinners. Does this mean that I should be sentenced to damnation? By no means. For I know the one who suffered and made satisfaction on my behalf. His name is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Where he is, there I shall also be. Boom. Safe. Under the mercy of Christ's name. Under the mercy of Christ's altar. And under the mercy, finally, of his death sentence. One of the most insidious sins in religious people, in us church people, is this belief. We have the mercy of God because we were more preferable to God than others. Like he went into the divine produce aisle... Selecting the best fruit. Oh, look at that banana. Oh, yeah, that's a good banana. Oh, that melon. Perfectly ripe. I want that for my team. That's what Israel was believing. 
that they were preferred people. In their arrogance, they believed then that they were exempt from the justice of God. And in verses 7 to 10, God makes it clear, nope, that's not the case. I didn't show you mercy because you were preferred. Because you were better than some. You're, You're just like the sons of Ethiopia. You're just like the Philistines. You're just like the Arameans. And in your unrepentant sin, you're an enemy of me. And you're going to receive the same deadly punishment as all these other nations have. God will throw the entire nation of Israel, verse 9 says, into the sifter of judgment. And that sifter was supposed to hold all the sticks and the rocks and the trash back as the good seeds fell to the ground. And notice what happens in verse 9. How many good seeds fall to the ground? Not one kernel. There is none righteous, not a one. All have sinned and fall short of this glorious good perfection of God. All sinners will die by the sword of God's word. And verse 10 says, you may believe you're exempt that the judgment of God will not come for you, but you will be sorely wrong. We are sinners. And every sinner will die by the sword of God's word. But see, friends, mercy hidden in this passage. Because did you see who's not destroyed? Except that I will not utterly destroy the house of Jacob. (laughs) Jacob in the Old Testament was a swindler. He was a thief. He was as crooked as it gets. Where could any sinner find salvation like Jacob? By admitting himself a sinner. Stop hiding your sin. Start confessing it to God and to one another. Confess your sins to death, Ray Ortland says. Because it's in that confession, like Jacob, I'm a wretched man. You're going to die to any hope that you can save yourself. And you need to live in the hope that the only one who can save you, because you're not coming through that sieve, the only one that can save you is the one who fell on your sword, Jesus. Friends, an application for this that I put into practice this week, and it was remarkably helpful. As I sat down with a friend of mine that we meet every couple of weeks for breakfast, and I said, hey, can we do something a little bit different today? I'm just going to confess my sin to you this week. I'm just going to lay it all out. I'm going to tell you everything I've done this week that has been against God. And I'm going to ask after I do that, that you pray for me. And he's like, and thankfully we've been friends for probably 30 years. So he's like, I thought, yeah, we can do that. Yeah, we can do that. And he did the same. And we left that place sinners, not under the hands of an angry God, but sinners under the grace and mercy of God. We left forgiven and free that we could confess ourselves to be sinners. Friends, verse 10 can be read in two different ways. It can be read as one with nowhere to hide. Or it can be read as one hiding under the cross. All the sinners of my people will die by the sword. The calamity will not overtake us or confront us because Christ has mercy on sinners. Have mercy on me, Lord. I am a sinner. 
close with this. Two criminals, you know the story, were to the right and to the left of Jesus on the cross in Luke 23. And they hung naked with him. There was no more hiding. Their sin and their shame was actually named in a placard above their head, thief. There was no more justifying, no more denying what they had done. And they were no doubt, both of these thieves, moments away from the boom of God's righteous hand. And one of the thieves continued to hide in himself and his own clever, selfish, thieving schemes. As he says to Jesus, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and then take us down too. But the other, the other rebuked him saying, do you not fear God? Since you are under the same sentence of condemnation, this man knew himself to be a Jacob, a crooked sinner. As he said, we are getting what sinners deserve, but he's innocent. This sinner had nowhere more to hide, but took one more step in calling upon the altar of forgiveness, calling upon the name of Jesus. As he said to him, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And as the man not only died physically, but also died to hiding, he received the glorious gift of mercy a sinner could ever dream to receive in Jesus' words to him. I say to you, today, you will be with me in paradise. The only place to hide from a holy God is under the mercy of a crucified Christ. Hide yourself, sinner, in him. Amen. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. And thank you for Amos, how it has pursued us, shown us our hearts, shown us our hiding. But Lord, if there are some here today that are continuing to hide in their sin patterns, believing that you don't see it, may Amos 9 shine a light on that, that there is nowhere to hide, that you will come with the sword of judgment. But Father, may all of us here find ourselves asking to be hidden under the altar of Christ's cross under the blood and the body of Jesus. That we may be perfected by him. Father, may all of us call upon his name for saving. Father, may all of us see that in his death we die. But in his resurrection we come back to new life. Help us today, Father to come out of hiding and to find your only safe place to hide is under your mercy. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.